Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patrick Grimion. I have Matthew Laborde or Laborde? Laborde. Laborde. <laughs> I have Matthew Laborde of Elephant Realty on. We are in their downtown complex here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so, Matthew, thank you so very much for coming on the show. Thanks I, for coming here. I, I appreciate it. It's, it's a very cool building you've got here. I, it's, I just noticed the ceiling now, so that's really adds a little different element. But so we're here to discuss Elephant. So what is Elephant Realty? Elephant is a commercial real estate brokerage firm based here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, so we serve the whole Baton Rouge, MSA, and really South Louisiana in general. Okay. So what what makes you, I guess, different from the rest of them? I mean, I see your signs all over Baton Rouge. Like, how are you going about, like, what's your tactic for going out and getting those properties and then listing them? Yeah, I think it's... Uh, it's hard work and it's our team approach. They're the two biggest differentiators. So we do a lot of cold calling. Okay. We make a lot of calls. We made, last year we made 10,012 calls. Um, and uh, we set up a lot of meetings and we're shaking a lot of hands, getting in front of people. And everybody in here works as a team. So we have a shared database, shared you know, Rolodex. Um, all, all the information is is available to be found by any team member, which is very unique for a commercial real estate brokerage. Uh, typically, since you're all independent contractors, typically the guy and, and the girl in the office next to each other is competing against each other. And uh, it's a lot different atmosphere here. Okay, so how did you go about creating that atmosphere that's so different from everyone else? Yeah, just by bringing you in really uh, smart, um, talented people that see the big picture and see how that uh, benefits them. And so if you have everybody with the same mindset, then it's easy to do and they realize the benefit of it. Right. Because it's like you said, it's not your average commercial real estate firm where everybody's competing against each other. So how was it, you know, sculpting that team? Like was there, whenever they came to interview for the job position, did you have to kind of lay it out for them in the front or was it kind of they picked up as they were learning here? You know, I think um, I think people pretty much picked it up as, as they go. I mean, I think that's why they were attracted to Elephant in the first place. You know, I think, uh, you know, we met on LinkedIn, right? Right, I mean, yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I put a lot out there on LinkedIn. Yes. And so everybody, every agent that works here, um, they are, we, had, it sounds like they submitted a resume or anything it's like we met through other ways or they approached me and we uh i think they did that because of what we were building here at elephant so they were attracted by what we were building and so that made it really easy right well yeah. you're were, you were building an attractive agency for them so. to find well i mean because this isn't i mean this is not your typical space or your typical agency for a real estate firm right. you, you've had this very entrepreneurial feel and vibe throughout the whole thing that you might get in like a Seattle or something. Thanks you know, so. it's, it's way outside of Baton Rouge comfort zone. Just from what I'm seeing here is very similar to something on the, on the coastline. Yeah. I think we're doing something unique. So it's good. So how did you, why, why did you get into real estate? Why did I get into real estate? So in high school, 
I don't think I read one book in high school, uh, except I had a teacher, an English teacher, that really wanted to encourage, wanted me to read something to get AR points. It's a <laughs> throwback to the past. But uh, she said, why don't you read a book about something you're interested in? I said, all right, well, I'm interested in business. And I ended up reading uh, Donald Trump's Thor of the Deal. Okay. So I'd read that. It's a good book if you haven't read it. And uh, got into got interested in real estate and never looked back. Wow. So well, what, what drove you into real estate outside of, you know, just normal businesses? So the book is about real estate, right? And it's right. about uh, developing and making deals and so uh, and owning property. And uh, so I was attracted by that aspect of it. And so when I got to LSU, uh, I decided I just wanted to get my, you know, I just wanted to get my foot in the door. Right. So I um, reached out to a bunch of real estate firms. Uh, there's sort of a low barrier of entry to become a real estate agent. So I saw that as a good avenue to get started. And, uh, and I went in that direction. And here I am. Very cool. So you did you end up working for any of these firms or did you just, you know, look out there and say, oh, you know, I can do this better by myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked for, well, when I was going out looking for a job, I right. went to six or so different firms. Right. And uh, I went there, I was 19, dressed in a tie, you know, looked sharp, had my resume in hand. And I worked, uh, I went to them and I, I said, look, I want to work for free. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll clean the toilets. I'll do whatever. I just want to work for free because I just want to be near this and learn. And most of them, like I couldn't get anybody to call me back. Wow. No yeah. For free working. Free. I was young, eager, like I would literally do anything. And uh, finally, on my sixth or seventh person, uh, David Virtra, Keller Williams, he said, um, okay, you're hired and I'm not going to let you work for free. I'll pay you $100 a week. So I worked 40 hours a week, got $100 a week. Uh, being his assistant and then a month or two later got my license uh, and then a year later I went to a firm called Bobox was there for six and a half years and after being there a while being top producer over there started Elephant. Very cool and how, how were they with you wanting to leave and essentially go compete against them? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, the the on-air version uh, they were great. <laughs> they were great. Uh, I got a hug, you know, uh, was offered to, you know, they offered to be an investor in the company. Um, it was very warm and fuzzy. And there's initially, a initially, okay. There's always when you're, when you're talking about, uh, you know, business and you're, you're dealing with competitive people, uh, there's always going to be that competition. You know? Right. I think when it sets in that you're now a competitor, that's when it's like, oh, wait, okay, let's think about what we're doing here. So they have yeah. to initially reevaluate their whole strategy. Maybe reevaluate a little bit, position themselves. Yeah. yeah. Think about how they can position themselves to, to win because that's what competitive people want to do. Right. And you have, you have, I mean, like you said, you were a top producing agent there. So they had a winner on their team who's now going off and doing something on their own which is straight competition. Mm -hmm. But I think that's an interesting topic that a lot of people or a lot of young entrepreneurs, they want to think about is when do they make that leap from the corporate to their own? So was there like a point in time that you knew, oh, I've got to make the shift? Yeah. Or was it just kind of so gradual that you're like, you know, 
I've been doing so much on my own without their supervision. I think I can kind of do this by myself. You know, I never wanted to start my own thing. Really? No, not at all. No. I was totally... There's a lot that goes into it. It's not Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was really... You know, I was at a great firm. Uh, it was with, you know, some great people. I learned a ton from it. Um, and really things set up for me. But there came a certain point where I felt like uh, that not everybody was working, you know, not everybody wanted me to be as successful as I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so when I found that, when I found that to be the case, um, then I decided, look, it's time to make a change. Plus, a month before that, somebody took me to lunch and they said God told them to take me to lunch and tell me I need to start my own business. Wow. So that was pretty uh, powerful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's divine intervention right that's there. Right. That's right. Okay, so going from there, what was your first step? I mean, how did you get this started? I, um, you know, I, I, I brainstormed a little bit, but I had a, uh, a lady named Sue Miley who is a business consulting coach. Uh, and it was just me, you know, by myself starting the business. So I, uh, I had Sue and I was able to at least bounce some ideas off of Sue and get a lot of feed, great feedback and things I never thought of before and just really like hone in on a business plan and a strategy uh, before I made the leap. Okay, so you did do the whole business plan route. I did. It looks nothing like <laughs> what actually happened, but yeah, I did, I did put something together. Okay, so how many versions did you go through before you had the quote-unquote final version? I'm still getting to the final version, man. I love that answer. <laughs> I love that answer. Daily. Daily. Okay, so Elephant, where did the name come Elephant. from? So, it goes to the business plan. So, right. the business plan was originally, Elephant would be uh, not geographical, geographically focused not um, uh, uh, a certain property type focused. We would be a client-focused specialist firm that is specializing in working for financial institutions. Uh, so our name, Elite, E-L-I, Financial, F-I-N, Realty. Elite Financial Realty, Elephant. Ah. That's where, and then about a year in, nine months in, it switched to, no, we're actually just going to focus on Baton Rouge for now, Baton Rouge MSA, all kinds types of commercial real estate property for all types of clients, and that's our thing. Wow. So why Baton Rouge? Because why Baton Rouge for the firm? Yeah, like why? Where, where are you? We'll, we'll back up and we'll get to that question. Yeah, yeah. Where are you initially from? Where'd you grow up? Lafayette. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when did you make the shift to Baton Rouge? For LSU. Okay. And yeah. what, what attracted you to LSU? I had my friends with it. That was it. You know, I'm from Lafayette. I went to UL for a semester. I wanted to get away, but I, I you know, I still went back every, pretty much every weekend. Uh, checked on my mom, cut my grandparents' grass until uh, I was 25, and uh, and so so staying, being away, being able to spread my wings a little bit, uh, but not being too far. I couldn't get back home. Okay, so still within that kind of geographical circle of the hometown yeah but not to where if you go to the movies your grandparents know yeah Yeah. or you see your cousin or something right right okay so what what kind of kid were you growing up i was i was a great kid uh i think um 
I was a great kid. I w- in high school, I was voted biggest procrastinator. Okay. It's always interesting. Um, you know, I was a little apathetic, a little, you know, rebellious to the system and to authority. Um, but all around, nice kid, very likable. Yeah. Did you have like any lemonade stands growing up? Were you entrepreneurial no, at all no, as a kid? No. 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 I wasn't. <laughs> I really wasn't. I wasn't, man. Okay. And I think about that a lot. I'm like, because uh, I listen to Gary Vee, and he's like, I was selling this and that. I'm like, man, that's not me. Yeah. That wasn't me. Not at all. You weren't, you weren't the sports card at the candy seller at the school. No, or flipping <laughs> stuff on eBay or not at all. You're just the rebellious kid cutting your grandparents' grass. Just cutting my grandparents, just doing hard work, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I loved money. You know, yeah. I loved money, loved collecting money. Um, but uh, wasn't the, the constantly trying to sell things. Gotcha. So now moving back to why Baton Rouge for the agency. Yeah. What in this market makes it so attractive? Well, so I guess it's a, a little bit a matter of this is where I was. You know? Okay. So as you build in the real estate industry, you build relationships, you build knowledge on property, the geography, right? Who owns what? Uh, the dynamics of the market and so you build up all this base of knowledge and then so to move to another market well you lose a lot of that right you lose a lot of uh, uh, those relationships aren't as valuable that you created right um, though that knowledge isn't as valuable as it was so to it just never made sense to move to another market because this is where I built a career and how do you see it as a market as a whole like how is the Baton Rouge market looking? I see it as very attractive, um, a very attractive market for investment and uh, for industry. And you know, we got a we got the state university flagship university here. We got the state capital here. We've got a booming petrochemical industry here. Uh, got a great medical corridor. We got a lot going for ourselves. Okay. All right. So, in the Baton Rouge scene, you're pretty big across a lot of social. Huge. <laughs> You're huge. Yeah. Right. So how, how did you get involved with that? I mean, social media. Yeah. Because it's started post. Okay. So where was your first post? Where was my first post? Uh, And do you still have it? (laughs) I have no idea. I have no, that's a great question. What was my first, what was your, can we find this first post by chance? That would probably not be a good thing. You know, it was probably, you know what? One of my first real estate posts. So I was at Keller Williams. I was just starting as an agent. I made up my own Facebook page for Matthew Labour, commercial real estate agent. And I remember editing my photo. I had a photo in a suit and I edited out the background to a white background in Microsoft Paint. And uh, I remember like I, I did like one paint mark in my hair to make it look like I got this crease. And I had, I had buddies calling me just making fun of me. And we need to find that. I don't know if I deleted it or Burn all, you know. We're gonna have, I'm going to make it resurface with this. <laughs> that would be interesting if you could find that. Okay. That so That would be fun. So you're all over Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Yes. What, I mean, did you take any, like, formal education on this, or where did you hear about doing Because it's not something that happens in all real estate or across all agencies even. For sure. I mean, they're kind of shy to post stuff unless it's a listing. Or unless especially it's an open house. Especially in commercial. Right. Uh, yeah. Residential agents, you'll see them post all day. I right. Mean, uh, but commercial agents, very hesitant to post. A lot of them will say that 
social media is not for me. Like that's cute, but not really uh, good for business. Right. Uh, I think two things that I've done is just one post, be able to post, and two, uh, somehow convince Chase to be on our team, <laughs> which uh, Chase is behind the, the camera right now. And uh, Chase, so you said I'm on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. So I only get on Facebook and LinkedIn, and Chase gets on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and he keeps the comment, content like flowing. And uh, so uh, I think that's one of my secrets to success is Chase. Chase. So it all revolves, <laughs> revolves around Chase. Yes, that is true. That okay. Is so and we were, we were talking beforehand, uh, Chase and I, about the goal to get to that 100 pieces of content per day. Yeah. Are we there? <laughs> Chase shook his head. Okay. So we're not, not there yet, but I mean, what, what are you going to post 100 pieces about? pieces about uh we have a lot to say you know we do a lot of things right so um i think it's just you know a lot of it's repetitive mm -hmm. right because when different people hear your message at a different time or in a different way uh it resonates differently um so i think just keeping us top of mind by posting a lot of content is good and i think we'll just post content that's true and authentic to ourselves and then also adds value to, you know, the person consuming it, hopefully. Right. Because you're, I mean, you're posting, I was looking at it this morning in the past couple of weeks, you're posting like strategic moves and like strategic topics that you're talking about, which some people might say, oh man, you're giving away like what they pay you for. So do you see that the return on providing that so much information is not necessarily like taken away from you? but rather building your name up. Absolutely. It's about building our brand. Right. Yeah, it's been huge. Uh, we've gotten a ton of visibility, leads, uh, prospects from our social media presence. So it's uh, it's you know us being a younger firm, mm -hmm. it's totally been our competitive, one of our huge competitive advantages that we embrace social media and are just beating it like a drum and getting results from it. Right. So, and do you see the results directly from your social? One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of it is there's some directly from social, right? Someone said, you know, you you asked where you heard about uh, elephant from, and they said, I saw your Facebook post. That that does happen. Most of it though is you're just top of mind for people, and so people end up calling you, referring you, whatever. Because you know they're seeing your posts, they're seeing your activity, and when they're asked who, you know, I'm open in a business, you know, I uh, I need somebody to to find me a new location. Well, they they know, hey, we need to talk to these people at Elephant because they're doing some great things. Okay, so now it's it's the the new age word of mouth almost for you. Yeah. Because yeah, people are seeing that, and what's so? Is there any platform you won't go on? No. Okay. So you're like, are you looking into TikTok and how that kind of could Chases. impact? Chases, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't made the leap, but I've looked at it, but I haven't posted anything. Why not? Uh, just because I'm focused on what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. I mean, Chase is all over it, though. Um, Chase is posted there. Oh. Just posted so. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Okay. So for any real estate agents that are 
wanting to do something not necessarily similar, but still wanting to get heavily into social, mm-hmm. what would their what would you recommend as their first steps to do? Just post, post, post what you think would be valuable to to your clients, to your prospective clients, and uh, keep posting and see what kind of reactions you get. Okay, and do you ever have like any writing block, like oh, I don't know if this sounds good, or I don't know if it's gonna come across the way I want it to? Do you ever have that? All when the you... time, all the time, and then. We'll, we'll see videos like this be posted and uh, I'll just cringe, you know, I'll just be like, oh, I really don't want to listen to what I said there or what I said there doesn't sound as smart as, you know, I wanted it to or didn't come across as clearly as I wanted it to. But uh, at the end of the day, that's why one, it helps to have Chase on the team because uh, he doesn't run it by me, you know, before. I don't, right. I don't get to say actually can you edit that so i look a little bit better you don't show my double chin or whatever it is right no just post it okay just post it. How, how long did it take for you to get to let him be fully autonomous in that respect Jesus of just posting autonomous by nature <laughs> so, so from day one he was like no you're not getting the sign off i'm posting what no, i think is gonna just, work uh, he's just a fellow business owner and he just knows i mean he just knows what he's doing i mean you're lucky enough to have somebody you know that talented on your team. You just let them do what they know what to do, know how to do. Okay. So when did you know it was time to hire somebody for your social? Um. Well, that's a good question. I think so. Before Chase, we had we had people help us out with it, like on a um, on a freelance type basis. Okay. And it was always uh, very helpful, good, posted way more than I would have otherwise. Um, and then it just came, you know, that's how we kind of did the bridge between just us doing it, just me doing it. Right. And then it was me and a freelancer and it was like, okay, well, here's what we could do if we had somebody like Chase on our team and, uh, and, and yeah. So that was like a step, right. Stepping game. And so how long did it take you to get from you posting it to where you're like, you know, you started to see so much return in value because people are scared to go out and hire somebody or to start paying for ads if they don't see an immediate, you know, return on it. So how long were you posting without return? I think we saw, you know, if you post interesting content or Mm -hmm. eye-catching content, you start to get feedback, you know, almost instantly, I would Mm -hmm. say, Uh, especially if you post really valuable things and, uh, or really, uh, provoking things so um i uh it's hard to say return and money and we don't really track it like that you know well not necessarily return on money but return on engagement like you know you when you your first 10 or 20 posts you had like five or two people like it or even see it and then you started getting to a level i don't think that's i mean i don't think we did have two or five people okay maybe we did i don't know but um yeah, maybe a less interesting post, maybe a post about a property or something. But I think I've always, you know, when I started the business, mm-hmm. at the beginning, it was posts about me starting the business. And right. people, that gets a ton of engagement, mm-hmm. right? People want to help, people want to congratulate, people want to um, get advice, you know, whatever it is. And so those posts, that's kind of what I played on, it played on a little bit in the beginning, is look, um, Matthew, you know, from Facebook, your Facebook friend, right? And I'm a 27 year old starting a new business 
in a firm in a field that's dominated by older uh, older owners, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was it was unique, and people were engaged from the get go for I think that reason. Okay, and were they were they boosted from the get go, or was it all just organic? Oh, organic. Okay, yeah. oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So why the suits every day? <laughs> why the suits every day? I don't know if it's a, a, a complex that started when because I, I was getting into business at nineteen, mm-hmm. but I just always felt like I needed to have the tie and everything to uh, to be taken seriously and to put myself in the best position to be uh, brought in on, in any room. Right? Uh, it was a big thing when I worked at another firm that I was always dressed ready to go because a lot of times. You know, the boss man, right, will pull people into the meetings, and if you were dressed in a t-shirt and, uh, or, or dressed like a, you know, you, you got your khakis, your Sperry's, and your, and your polo shirt, well, you might not get pulled in on the meeting with the CEOs of, you know, the local hospital system or whatever it is, right? Right. Uh, so you want to be dressed presentable so that that person calls on you. And I think that kind of got me into the, uh, the routine. Uh, and then now it's just like putting on a uniform. Mm-hmm. I wear the same suit two or three times in a day. Uh, in a week. <laughs> yeah, I just wear the same thing. And so going into this industry at 19, like you said, did you ever have that age block that people didn't take you seriously or they questioned what you did because yeah. of your age? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I was just thinking about this today, that um, there was that block, but I was so hungry and aggressive I was like a rabid dog you know what I mean I was like uh, I I was able to break in only because I was so adamant and aggressive and persistent and uh, to the point of being annoying about it right to the point where you cannot ignore me right Um, but of course there's that initial brush off or whatever but you just keep keep at it and you got to be even more aggressive and even more um even more hungry for it because it's not going to be easy for those people to let you in because they're, they had that initial, oh, this person's young, doesn't know what they're doing, nice person, but nice kid, but uh, doesn't have what it takes to get my commercial real estate deal done. Right. You got to be like, no, this, this, I'm the one you want. That, let me in. Give me a shot. I want this. I'm hungry. I'll do more. I'll go farther. You got you to just hammer them. Yeah, and I, I see that in your story, taking it back to when you wanted to work for free. You wanted to do anything and everything you could because you knew that space you had to get into. That's it. And so was, it, was there ever a point in time that you just wanted to throw in the towel? Oh, man, that's a deep question. <laughs> was there ever a time? I think so. I think so. You know, there's, there was a time where I, uh, in the beginning, I was solely motivated by money. Right. You know, I was 100% wanted to make a ton of money and wanted to be rich and wanted to be the richest person in the world and all this stuff. And then, you know, I was, uh, you know, still in college, early 22 something, making six figures, which was well in six figures, which was for that time period, that age, you know, a lot of money to me. And um, I realized or way more money than I needed at the time, right? To cover my expenses, of course. Uh, and I decided, like, I kind of got a taste for that money, and I realized uh, this isn't this isn't th- that important, right? There's more important things in life. So it made me 
take a step back and like reevaluate everything and how I went about doing business and how I uh, thought about it and my motivations and everything. So in that time period of like personal discovery, it, uh, you know, that, I guess that kind of, you know, came, came uh, to me like, hey, what's the point in all this? Why am I doing this? Uh, <laughs> some leads just fell. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, but you know, that's when you readjust and you, you see and you fix what's inside and make everything align and, uh, and then you get to a good place. Right. It's finding that inner confidence or the inner self. Like, you know, I really want to do this because I want to help the people close the deals, not necessarily yeah. for the money at that point. Something like that. Okay. So in Baton Rouge, is there, is there anything you would change about the ecosystem about the environment. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I would change if I, uh, yeah, I guess there was something I would change. I would change, so it's really uh, segregated. Like if mm -hmm. you look at a race map of Baton Rouge, uh, you know, there's this map going around the internet. Uh, it is so segregated. And uh, to me, that's really tough. And it's also seg segregated in terms of income, highly segregated in terms of income. So uh, I would change that about Baton Rouge. I wish it were not like that. I and wish it were more integrated. And how, how do you see that? How do you see that being able to be accomplished? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't say, you didn't say that had to be possible, right? Right. I didn't say it had to be possible. But what, I, I mean, don't have an answer. Well, is there any steps? or is, I mean, is there anything that can be done that you can think of? Like, oh, step one is do this. You know, it may not solve it overall, but mm -hmm. it's it's the move in the right direction. I think I think I think maybe not maybe to a certain extent eliminating zoning. Okay. And eliminating zoning, maybe just in certain areas. This is not a thought through plan, right, or anything I'm proposing, but right. uh, zoning has you know density restrictions. And if you make places less dense, you make some places more expensive. Right, so if you can add more units uh, in certain neighborhoods, um, especially in the older parts of town, then it could be you can lower the cost per unit, and you can make it more affordable for people to live there, and all kinds of different people to live there. And uh, so I think possibly the zoning, uh, and also fixing the schools and the school systems. So that's huge. Um, Huge problem, right? And uh, a lot of history behind it. But I think zoning and schools are the two things that uh, could be uh, could go at fixing the problem. Okay, and so y'all go to a lot of the zoning meetings, right? Oh. So do you see any progress in that sense? No, that's not what really the planning and zoning meetings are about. Okay. The planning and zoning meetings are about. I mean, they do have the larger. Hey, what's the zoning? You know code uh, and how's it written and, and what are the nuances of it but mostly it's about projects that are getting proposed okay right so I don't see any change in the zoning uh, or, or in what we just talked about with the zoning right I don't see that ever happening I mean well I guess ever <laughs> I guess it's uh, I don't I don't see any kind of push for it okay I don't see besides in my head you know yeah um there's no, there's no people clamoring for it on either side of any issue, right? Right. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you got to be the one to do that. 
perhaps <laughs> perhaps this is the, the start. That's it's it's never too late to start, right? That's right. Best time to invest was twenty years ago. The second best time is now. That's right, man. Okay, so what would you give to anybody starting, whether it be a business or real estate in particular? What kind of those initial problems that you had that you could have avoided if you'd known this? Yeah, I don't know that I had that many problems. I think uh, I think if I started today, I'd work at Elephant. If I was like young and hungry and like the top of the top, right. I'd work at Elephant because I know that what I was building would be respected and would be... Um, I guess that the whole apparatus of the company would be behind me and working for me. I think what we're building here at Elephant is the firm that I wish I would have started at. You know, the firm that I wish everything that I built was being supported by the company, right? Uh, when I would spend nights at the office, when I would, um, you know, trying to get the, 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 a proposal done for our firm's client, uh, you know, I wish all of that I wish I, you know, not only did I do that hard work, but the company also supported me and to get like the highest heights. Right. So if I was starting out in commercial real estate, I would definitely work at Elephant if I was a quality person. Um, what else? Uh, I think just start now is some of the best advice I got is start now. Don't, you know, you're not going to start with a secretary and a desk, right? You, whatever way you can get your foot in the door. Do it and start and get in with good people and learn as much as you can. Uh, really, the good people part at the beginning doesn't even matter that much. Just learn as much as you can. You might learn a lot about what you shouldn't do, and then you'll figure it out and you'll gravitate towards good people. So, right, just start now. Okay, and what is there any resources or anything that people that you would recommend people to if they want to get in the commercial real estate space? You know, check this piece out or check this yeah. particular source out. Yeah, there's like a lot of good books out there. Um, there are uh, a lot of great people on social media. So if you go, as far as books, there's a book called Brokers Who Dominate. There's a book called um, uh, The Retail Leasing Playbook. There's a book called uh, Value Added. Uh, it's not, there's two books called Value Added. Get the commercial real estate one. Uh, there's a book called To Be or Not To Be Intimidated. Um, and there are a few other books out there that I can't remember, but also the resources, the best resources are the commercial real estate brokers that are out there now. So find the top ones or find whatever, find the top ones out there, find me, my cell phone's all over the internet and call us up and call till we answer or we answer your call back and, uh, and, and schedule 15 minutes with us and pick our brain. Okay. Very cool. So yeah. for people to find you, we're going to link up all of that social. We're going to link up all your you website and everything. Me, you just don't want to be in commercial real estate. Like you don't belong here. Right. See you know what I mean? Uh, we got a number on signs. We got numbers uh, all over the internet. I'm all over social media. I mean, like if you can't find my number, I, I almost say we shouldn't say it. I want to say it. We're going to say it. But it's like, if you can't find my number, don't call. Like you, 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 you have nothing to call first off, but don't, you don't want it bad enough. Yeah. And is that, is that something you kind of take into every single day is like, if you, if there's this roadblock, like if you get to it and you're like, Oh, well, Oh, well, but you're sound more, you're more like there's a roadblock. Okay. How do I get around it? Yeah. If I want it. Right. You know what I mean? If I want it for sure. Um, if I want it, it's like, it's, it's a hundred percent 
every deal that roadblocks and it's it's always new and it's always unexpected and that's one thing that makes this really interesting industry is that you come to work and you don't really know exactly what's going to come up during the day but you know that it's going to be something new you're going to learn a lot you're going to meet new people you're going to use your brain and problem solving abilities to overcome it for the client and hopefully make a deal happen i love it i love it so what does a typical day look like for you? Typical day, I wake up around five-ish, uh, somewhere between you know, 4.45 to 5.45. Uh, I will immediately take out my phone and <laughs> in bed, start looking at my phone, looking at emails. I'll check how many website visitors we had from the previous day. I'll check how many Google searches you know are going for Elephant Realty. Um, I will check all kinds of random things that I shouldn't be checking at five, six in the morning. Uh, and then I'll get ready and I'll get to the office usually between 6.30 and 7.30. Um, and then from 8, 8, 10 a.m. to 9, 10 a.m., I'll make prospecting calls. So I'm calling uh, different owners of commercial real estate or people we want to do business with. Uh, and then after that, I've got, you know, the mornings when I'm the sharpest. Right. So I've got, you know, things that require my focus. Um, I... Uh, I'll have pipeline meetings with with uh, an agent, uh, or I'll have you know I'll review a lease agreement, or I will have a you know pitch meeting with a client. And then lunch usually I'm with a client, uh, not not with a client. I'm usually with a vendor or at a, a small group presence meeting, which is like a rotary meeting or a nonprofit board meeting, or or I'll just eat at my desk. Um, then after, usually in the afternoon of my slower meetings, it's the, all right, people that want to buy something from me or the person who wants 15 minutes to talk about what's it, what's it like in commercial real estate uh, or, you know, whatever. Whatever, you know, doesn't require so much uh, problem solving and all this stuff. I'll also be doing work on different things throughout the day. Then five, six o'clock, I'll then usually go to an evening function which uh, might be a nonprofit board meeting, might be a networking meeting, might be um, you know a whole host of things, uh, and then I'm going to sleep. Hopefully by nine, you definitely by ten. I love it. Yeah. So from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you're you're running at it. We're, we're getting. It, I sure. love it. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, any last parting words for people listening? Parting words. Parting words. Um, I don't, uh, I don't think so. No, I think we said everything I'm going to say. Perfect. Well, thank you, Matthew, so very much for coming on the show. Thanks for coming, man. Um, I really appreciate your time very much. And I love what you're doing here. And I love following you and seeing what you're doing all around Baton Rouge. I appreciate it, man. So, it means a lot. Well, thank you. And don't ever slow down. <laughs> you either. So uh, everybody listening, this is the Patty G Show. Thank you so very much for taking your time out of your busy day to listen to the show. And if you like the show, be sure to share, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks.